Hebrews chapter 11, we'll begin reading at verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, and the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it being dead, yet speaketh. By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death, was not found because God translated him, for before his translation he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith it is impossible to please him. Amen. You may be seated. I want to ask you a simple question tonight. What will your legacy be? What are you leaving behind and what will your legacy be? All of us know at some point we're going to leave this planet. It's just hard to think about someone preaching our funeral. Hard to think about someone standing over our grave. Hard to think about someone speaking about us in the past tense. Uh, Thinking about, Pedro, I I brought a pair of shoes tonight. And uh, I, I mentioned this last week. A couple of years ago, he called me up and said, Pastor, I need to, I need to see you uh, quickly, urgently. I thought it was bad news once again concerning his health and concerning cancer, which was recurring in his case. And uh, so I quickly broke free from what I was doing, came to the church. And there he stood with a box from Dillard's, a brand new pair of shoes. I said, Preacher, you look like you wear the same pair of shoes all the time. Time for a little change here of style. Time for an update. Uh, but Pedro was just one of those people who couldn't help put a smile on your face. And the last few weeks he was in such poor health, dropped so much weight. It was just a shell, just a shell. And uh, I wasn't able to, uh, because of protocol, get into the hospital. But I was able to talk to him over the phone. And he, he was already difficult to understand, but he got so excited. And uh, you know as a pastor uh, that there are things that are, that are encouraging and people try to be an encouragement. Um, occasionally you get a card from a child that really puts a smile on your face. Uh, but it, listening to Pedro talk and he was just saying, Preacher, I appreciate you and I appreciate your preaching and I love you and I appreciate your friendship. And he got so worked up uh, Maria and the doctor had to take the phone out of his hand and get him back. And he got me worked up, but getting worked up. Every member I have, uh, I can't say this about very many of my members, but every, every memory I have of Pedro is a good memory. And uh, so here's, here's what I want to do. Just simply look here at Hebrews 11 and consider tonight that all that's going to leave a legacy is some point uh, we're working on that legacy right now, every day, building a legacy. And we think a legacy, that here's the way the world thinks of it. They think of what am I leaving for my children? And it's always in the context of the physical, the financial. Uh, how much money am I going to leave them? What kind of inheritance am I going to leave them? If you look at Hebrews 11, there's not a single mention of what these men left behind financially. Although in Abraham's case... It was a very large inheritance. In Jacob's case, it was a very large inheritance. In Isaac's case, it was a very large inheritance. In Joseph's case, 
It was a very large inheritance. No mention of any of that. But look at, if you have a pen, if you have a marker, I would mark the following phrases. Look what it says in verse 2. For by it the elders, what's it say? Obtained a good report. That's the legacy. Look what it says, verse 4. He obtained witness that he was righteous. Now, it, it gets better. We're not talking about what man says about you because no matter whose funeral it is, someone's going to get up here and exaggerate or only remember the best moment of that person's life. Because I've been in places where I cringed hearing all the lies about this person when, when you know others knew the truth. But I guess at that moment, you've, you've got to say, you can only say the good. But in this case, there's no twisted truth. This is God testifying of his gifts. And he, he being dead, yet speaketh. How many understand that at some point when you pass off this earth, your testimony is going to continue to speak? And whether it's good or bad, you're going to have a testimony. You're going to leave some kind of legacy. It's either a good father or a poor father, a good Christian or a poor Christian, a faithful Christian, an unfaithful Christian, a witness or a silent, hidden, closet Christian. Verse 5, by faith, Enoch was translated. Look what the last phrase says. He had this testimony. This was his legacy. This was his testimony. That he Please, God, how many would like that put on your tombstone for eternity? Now, if there's, there's anything, anybody ever gone to, to a cemetery and read what was written on the tombstones? Normally, it's just simply the name and two dates with the dash in between. You know what that dash represents? Your life. That is life. How many are old enough to realize that's life? A dash between two dates. But occasionally, they'll... they'll put some kind of statement there. And God said, I'm going to put a statement here on his gravestone. He pleased God. How powerful is that? Now you say, what was the common denominator? When we talk about creating a legacy, a spiritual legacy, the common denominator is faith. Christians, we ought to be leaving behind for our children, you know what Pastor Bob's legacy is? He lives in a trailer. Lived the most simple life a person can absolutely live. And for years with a large family, there in that single wife, he raised those boys. You know what his legacy is today? The musicians, Asaph and his family, the school, all of you that have gone through the school. What a legacy of faith. And it wasn't just instilling faith in his own children, but now in his grandchildren and his spiritual children and spiritual grandchildren. There's a legacy, and that legacy is based upon faith. Now, the days we're living in, we've never seen a greater attack on faith upon Christians here in the United States of America. And we've seen people's faith shaken. Now, here's, here's a true revelation of your faith. We'll see it. Not in you or your attendance on Sunday morning, but in your children and in the next generation. Dad and his legacy. All right? he, didn't, he didn't leave us a fortune. Matter of fact, he didn't. Let me think about it. He didn't have much to leave besides books. But his legacy is his building. His, his legacy is... The the group of young people that have grown up serving God, been trained, those that are on the mission field, the love for missions, the heart uh, for for reaching the world, the 
all the ministries from the outreach, the bus routes, the Christian school, this is his legacy. I remember years ago uh, there in Rifle and uh, that little teeny tiny building, some of you, very few of you at this point go all the way back, that little teeny tiny building in Rifle and watching God work and the new building as it went up and then uh, hearing dad as he said and, and watching the economy fall and people lose their jobs and uh, remembering that night, he stood in front of the church and said, church, uh, we're going we're gonna to move to Texas and start a church. And if anybody wants to go, uh, you're more than welcome to go along. I, I remember the uh, caravan, and not, not all at one time, but at different times and stages and months, uh, the Beverly Hillbilly <laughs> caravan loading up junk that should have never been, should have never gone anywhere except to the Goodwill or flea market, but it was transported a thousand miles south, east to Austin, Texas. And I remember praying for a building, and I I remember this church building being given to us. Now, the legacy is the faith that was passed down from a father to a son, and your real legacy it's not going to be one day handing over the keys to your car or to a bank account or counting all the money that your stocks and bonds are worth and what you invested in land and the returns that you've gotten. No, no one here stands up and talks about what exactly was Abraham's wealth at that point. We don't know. We really don't even care. His true wealth was found in a son that had caught his father's faith. Let me ask you this. So let's just say you save up a few million dollars and your house is worth $850,000 and, and you invested in Apple stock and Amazon stock when it was $3.50 a share. And you're not telling anyone, you're just sitting on it. And your kids didn't get your faith. You tell me at the end of your life what you would trade. You trade every life. If you're a real Christian, you trade every last dime of those stocks and the, the value of that house to find some way to recover that child and reinvest time in that young man's faith. I, I'm glad it wasn't just for me. It wasn't a story. I look back. I've reminisced often. Occasionally, I'll go out to the cemetery. And sometimes when I walk, and I'll, I'll walk out there. It's quiet. It's barren. It's dirty. It's dusty. Is dry, reminisce just a little bit uh, about some of the revivals we had. Carl Woodbury, how many remember some of those? How many got saved during a Carl Woodbury revival? How many got saved the second time in a Carl, or third time? How many got saved you just didn't tell anybody you got saved <laughs> Carl Woodbury revival? I think everybody I know came under conviction Carl Woodbury was preaching, got born again. Uh, but but we, we remember those moments, and I, I thank God for the conferences that we went to and the prayers that were answered. But I'm also thankful that it wasn't a story that was being told. It wasn't something in the past that I actually got to see my dad in, in his steps of faith, and I got to accompany him. And uh, I, I saw uh, the Red Sea parted. I saw the Jordan River parted. I... I saw those great moments 
in the life of my father where God worked the supernatural. And I'm truly convinced we have Christians right here, although capital city so seen so much of the hand of God and the, the miracles, the supernatural done because you are not growing your faith or because it's been a long time since you've stretched your faith or taken a step of faith. You speak of something in the past and your kids don't have your faith because they don't know anything about what you're talking about. They haven't seen an answer to prayer. They haven't seen you get an answer to prayer. They they haven't seen a movement of God. They they haven't seen anything special. All all they know is a a mom and dad that occasionally skip church and and gripe about the drive and and fuss about the message and talk about how how long the, uh, the, the music is and the song service and... Look what it says in verse 9. A true legacy of faith is going to be witnessed in the lives of the next generation. You know where we see Miss Sullivan's faith? In those kiddos that love God, serve God. You, you know where we see the, the legacy of faith of Miss Edmonds? In, in those kids that, that went through their youth without a dad and they saw God provide. And they saw a mom that went right to the edge and the Holy Spirit of God pulled her back and her whole life ever since has been about loving God and serving God. And that woman's going to die with a legacy. And it's seen in the life of her children. My legacy is not going to be a work in, in Pachuca, Mexico or Tulancingo or... Alta Gracia, Argentina. It, it's, it's right here in the pews. It's a young man going to Ecuador. That's the legacy is passed down. And you know where we see the legacy in this chapter? It is a faith that is passed down to the children. Your real legacy is your faith. Nothing outside of that really matters. Nothing outside of that pleases God. Nothing outside of that impresses heaven. Look what it says in verse 9. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles. With who? With Isaac and Jacob. The heirs, do you realize sitting here tonight, we have the heirs with us of the same promise. Those same promises that God has given us. The same things that we've seen and experienced. The same book that we appreciate those kids that God have, God's given us, and we've seen God work in their hearts, and here's the problem. It's, we can provide them camp, and we can provide them Christian school environment, we can provide them all that, but only you, only you can provide them faith. That's your legacy. It's not the duty of Capital City to provide them faith. It's not the duty of the Bible college or the Sunday school workers or the youth pastor or the assistant pastors to instill in them a godly faith, a healthy faith. We, we can talk about everything that's happening in the world, but I'll tell you a solution to it. It's not a different president. It's not a more conservative government. It's not a less socialistic society. It's not a different educational system. You know what it is? The answer's been the same in every generation. It is the strength of the faith in the heart of a person that determines their future not a change in the society where they live. What Christians ever controlled the society they lived in? 
What church has truly ever made a difference in politics? Why, why are we so worried about all those things that we can't control and ignorant of that which we can control? Miss Thompson's legacy is not built upon the car she drives or she'd have no legacy at all. Not built upon the house she owns, she'd have no legacy at all. Not the size of the diamond on her finger, not, not the money that she has in her purse. Her legacy has been built upon the faith instilled in children and grandchildren. Yes. You, know, you know what not his legacy is? Stand up for a minute, David. That's not his legacy. His dad is one of the finest Christians I know. Absolutely. That's her legacy. That's proof of her faith. Man, are, are you concerned? Here's what's disconcerting as a pastor to see church members in church for two decades and still more concerned about their physical or financial legacy than their spiritual legacy. Now, here's what I'm, I'm thankful for. From the move and watching God work and the building and the missionaries sent out and the funds that have been raised, and uh, it's been one miracle after another, and I inherited those miracles. My inheritance was all built upon my father's faith. From the Bible college to the outreach to some of the greatest missionaries on the planet, I'm enjoying my inheritance. I've had some people ask me, so how much did your dad leave you? A lot. Can't even be overstated. Their eyes get big. They're thinking I'm going to tell them about a hidden million dollars that he had somewhere. He didn't have any of that. But what he did have was invested right here in people and souls and lives. What I inherited was the blessing of his spiritual faith that was passed down to the next generation. Look what it says. Go with me to John 8. Verse 56, I want you to think about something. When we talk about Abraham and Isaac, let's, let's consider for a minute Abraham's faith and what his legacy was going to be. At this point, he basically had one son. God had told him all his inheritance was going towards Ishmael was something he did in the flesh. Isaac was God's chosen, and he was going to receive the inheritance. So at this point, what was the physical value or the financial value of what he had accumulated over the course of his life in dollars? Was Abraham a millionaire? Absolutely. You read your Bible, you find out Abraham was one of the richer men of his time. And God has blessed him in a million different ways financially. Now, Isaac, is this, this is not what we remember him for, and this is not what we speak of at all. You know why people didn't even know Abraham's a millionaire? Because it's never spoken of. God mentions it in passing, but it's, it's just briefly mentioned in passing, his physical wealth. But hold on for a second. Imagine, here's this man, his faith has grown and he's traveled. And here's the problem, is your faith grows as no guarantee that the faith of your child or the faith of your children is growing. And this is supposed to be passed on, but because we're so involved in everything else in life, we forget that our goal is supposed to be leaving a legacy of faith in, in the hearts and lives of our own children. Now, here's what Abraham could have done. So the miracle to me, the, the greatest miracle that we see, one of the greatest miracles in the Old Testament, here's Sarah, 90 years old. She's going to have a son. God restores her health. I, I absolutely, with all my heart, Genesis 20, I believe, that God made Sarah young. He, 
he brought to her, restored to her, her youth to conceive seed. And that's why the king saw her at 89 and told his servants, you, you see that chick that just walked in, the hot one. And, and can you imagine? That's how unsafe kings talk. So they, they bring her in and she has to show ID at the palace entrance. And, and the guard's like, hey, uh, your, your highness, I just want you to know, uh, this one, this hot chick you picked at 90. She's bumping 90. He's like, no, don't, don't, don't be pulling that stuff. No, I'm telling you the truth. I'm check out her ID. Yeah, people make fake IDs all the time in this kingdom. I wouldn't worry about her ID. You know as well as I do. She can be a day over at 30. Now, here's the problem. God had done all these miracles for Abram, uh, but Isaac wasn't there. He wasn't able to experience it. So how is he going to grow? Do you have a dad that's 100 years old? Here's the problem. At some point, usually, usually it doesn't take a hundred years for someone to stop growing in the faith. Usually by the time they've been at church 10, 15, 20 years, their faith has stopped growing. Now imagine had that been the case in Abraham. Uh, as a father, if his son is 10 years old, when he's 110, for the average Christian, his faith would have stopped growing decades earlier. But God is still trying to push him and stretch him and says, I want you to go to Mount Moriah and I want you to take your son. And he, and he does this in a step of obedience. Now, hold on for a second. The only way to pass on is something visible, it's something physical. Here's the problem with our faith. We make it so nebulous. You have got, Brother Jamie, to pass on something tangible to those boys. And it can't be what God did for you 10 years ago because they have no clue what God did for you 10 years ago. They weren't there to touch it, see it, feel it, hear it, or smell it. They've got to have something they can grab onto because this world is tangible. They want to poke it. They want to feel it. They want to see it. They don't want you to tell them about, well, God did a miracle for me 18 years ago. They don't care about 18 years ago. They weren't alive. That faith has to be passed on. That legacy is left. And if that father stands up the day before he dies and said, I had $2 million in the bank 18 years ago. They're going to say, Dad, what do you have now? (laughs) And you can talk about your faith two decades ago. You can talk about what God did 10 years ago. But if you're going to pass it, that legacy is going to be a legacy of faith. They've got to see something today. They've got to see God work tomorrow. When Abraham goes up that mountain and he looks over at his son, and when, because of developed faith, he says, son, total confidence. We're going over the mountain, and uh, Dad, where's the, where's the animal? When we, we talk about sacrifice, we always bring an animal. God will what? Provide himself. Now, hold on, hold on for a second. Here's what we forget in this text. What's it say in John 8, verse 56? Your father Abraham, he rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it. And was glad. I, I believe undoubtedly, if you, if you read Genesis 21, 22, you're going to see uh, God makes it very clear. Jehovah Jireh, you're talking about in, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. God will provide himself a lamb. It was there that God 
provided himself in John 8, verifies Abraham actually got a glimpse of something that was going to take place thousands of years in the future. He was going to see the Lord Jesus Christ provided as a sacrifice for the sins of mankind. And I believe just what Abraham saw Isaac too. Can you imagine Isaac laying on that altar, dad with a knife in his hand, and God does a miracle. He would have robbed his son of the greatest day of faith building in his life had he not been obedient. And all Abraham could have talked about was the miracle of your birth and the miracle of their traveling and the miracle of God's provision and the miracle in order to pass on his faith, Isaac needed to see with his own two eyes the supernatural hand of God in his life. Parents, would you get this? Would you please get this? I am nervous about the next generation because it is going to only become, as the Lord tarries, is only going to become more and more difficult. And the majority of the young people growing up in church during the good times didn't have faith to withstand the temptations and the problems and the pushback and the obstacles. They didn't have the faith. There was no legacy left because parents in this generation, we're talking about pastors, assistants, and the most spiritual in the church, the only effort that they were making in leaving a legacy was in the financial and not the spiritual. And maybe they passed on faith the one, but we all have to admit in the past 40 years in the independent fundamental Baptist movement, our legacy has belly flopped because that faith wasn't passed on and fathers were talking about the past while they were trying to provide for their kids a financial future. Instead of saying the legacy that we're commanded to leave is supposed to be a legacy of faith, not a legacy of finances. And here's, here's what you're going to realize. Go back with me to Hebrews for a minute. Here's, here's why it didn't happen. Parents talked about how they were going to sacrifice their child by working so many hours in God's work. Hold on for a second. What's verse 17 say? By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, he what? He offered up Isaac. He offered up his only begotten son, accounting that God was able to raise him up. Did you, did you guys catch that? Don't miss that. Our, our faith says we're, we're going to sacrifice our children. All this investment in God's work, and I'm going to sacrifice my child's future by giving him missions. He passed on a legacy by saying God's commands and obeying God's commands are not a sacrifice that's going to ruin my boy. It's a sacrifice that's going to grow his faith. Go with me to verse 13 and we'll be done. You pass down a legacy of faith and needs to be strong enough to produce faithfulness long after your death. Christians, what, whatever you're passing down is this something deep enough in the heart and life of your children that will actually keep them faithful 10 years after you're gone? Most Christians haven't passed down a strong enough faith to keep kids on track while the parents are alive. It's not even a strong enough faith to keep kids in church when they're 22, 19, 25. And if they're in church, you're not going to find them soul winning. If they're in church, you're not going to find them reading their Bibles. If they're in church, you're not going to find them 
participating in the work of God. We're talking about a legacy of faith that keeps that young person strong. Now, here's look at three things that it, it says that you see this faith is being strong. These all died in faith. That means they didn't quit halfway. Not even having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, they were persuaded of them. They embraced them. Verse 14, for they that say such things, they what? They declare plainly. They're, they're not seeking a country that's earthly, but one that is heavenly. And truly, if they'd been what? Mindful of that country once they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. This legacy of faith is one that's so strong it never looks back. Here's the problem. You can't, you can't leave a legacy of faith if you're living your Christian life and your kids keep seeing you looking back. You're mindful of what you've left. I don't know how many Christians I've seen dedicated, committed, sacrificial, and about 25 years in. You know what? If I just kept a little bit more of that money, I'd have a bigger retirement. Every time those kids hear you say that, they're looking back. Had Abram been what? Mindful of that country. And the more mindful you are of what you had, the more you're putting quit in their hearts and undermining their faith. You know why we see the legacy of the faith passed on to the next generation? Because they said, we're going to put on a spiritual harness that doesn't allow us to look back. What did Christ say? You put your hand to the plow and you look back, you're not what? You're not even fit for the kingdom of heaven. And had they... Had they been mindful of all that, he said, they could have gone back. They would have gone back. The kids would have gone back. He said, they didn't, they didn't, let, it, they didn't let it cross their minds. Let me ask you this, Christians, Cap City is an exception. But even here, how many times have we seen over the past decade or two, young people grow up in this environment, and at 19, 20, 21, 22, looked back, went back, abandoned their faith. God help us as parents. God help me as a parent. My greatest burden is my greatest desire, is my greatest concern. My legacy is not what we give to missions. My legacy is not the young men that we train and send out. My legacy is not the graduates of the Bible Institute. My legacy is not the Christian school or the attendance or the building of the Spanish church. My legacy that can be seen in three people. The faith that is passed down to Chris and the faith that is passed down to Ashley and the faith that is passed down to Brittany is my legacy. Because the bottom line is this. Jamie, whatever you accumulate over the course of your life, you're not throwing it to the wind or passing it out to the people you know. Your legacy is provided to your immediate family, to your children. So you can work in junior church, and I thank God for the kids on the bus that you can help and rescue and see saved. But at the end of the day, your legacy is not measured. Your legacy is measured in Brett and Abigail. And Landon, yeah, and then the little preferred one. Oh, no. no favorites in his family, that's all I know. And when we look at legacy, we've got to look further down the road and say, what's this going to look like in 10 years? 
the, the faith right now, and I'm concerned about their grades, yes, and I, I'm concerned, I'm, I want them to look sharp, and I'm concerned about their musical ability, and I, I'm concerned about their ability to play the piano or play the guitar, I'm thankful for all that, but more than anything, I'm concerned about their faith. Is their faith going to withstand the next five years and the next 10 years, the Lord Jesus Christ coming back the next 15 years? That's my concern. Yes. That's my focus. Look what it says in verse 35. Women received their dead raised to life again. Others were tortured. Now look at the next phrase. What's it say? Not accepting. This is a faith that doesn't look for any, it does not look for any escape hatch. Christian, be careful because they're dead. There are Christians, what you're doing to the faith of your children when you say, well, you know what, COVID season, I guess I don't have to be in church. You're undermining their faith. Things are tight, it means I don't have to tie it. Job situation has changed. I'm not going to participate this year in missions. You know what? They're providing double time, triple time for me to work on Saturdays. I guess we don't need to go soul winning. You're undermining their faith. You're not being tortured to deny Christ. This scripture talks about torture. I don't even want to wrap my mind around. I've, I've been to Rome and I've, I've been across Mexico and I've seen tools that were used during the Inquisition and I've seen the Colosseum and you can walk into the Colosseum and see where the floor, they, they used to pull right out of the floor of the Colosseum. Those animals, when we talk about beasts, it wasn't just the beast of the field, but human beasts trained to kill, let loose upon Christians. And the scripture says, those who were given a chance to recant, didn't. Those who were given the opportunity to escape, chose not to. You know what today's Christianity is about? I want to give my kids a legacy. But you know what? Pastor, I know it's revival, but Monday night, you know, I'd be, I'd be walking in late and tired, so I probably won't do that at all. That doesn't affect me. That changes nothing about my life. Absolutely zero. Then, Pastor, why are you worried about it? Because I'm not fighting for you. I've told you that. I am not fighting for you. You're a big enough man and an old enough person to fight for yourself and make a choice. Are you going to grow or are you not going to grow? I'm fighting for your kids. I'm fighting for the next generation. I am begging you to leave a legacy of faith where these kids, 10 years down the road, not in our future, but after your passing, are growing stronger, not weaker. That's a legacy. It says, we're not looking back. We're not mindful of the past. We're not looking for an escape. May God give us some kids locked in, locked down. Faith that's going to overcome any challenge. Look what it says, verse 24, and we're done. Moses, legacy of faith. Who were his parents? Amram and Jochebed, putting him in a basket. When the king is saying, we're going to kill them all, they put them in a basket in the Nile. That's not where you leave babies. By faith, Moses, when he'd come to years, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater than the riches, uh, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. Christian, how, how do you have a son raised in the world's palace with that kind of faith and that kind of spiritual fortitude? It's called a legacy of faith. And that faith in that young man led him to say, I've seen it all. I could have it all. 
I could be the next in line. Power, position, money. I'm going to walk away from it all. You know where that comes from? Parent that decides to leave a spiritual legacy called faith. Faith. 